The Athletic. Mbappe, 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 dog. Categorical. Day 15 of the World Cup saw France tear holes in the poles and then Sunday night, England-Senegal. Harry and the Henderson and Saka for Southgate, which England fans are no longer calling for. Who will be the favourite when Maguire and co meet Mbappe next weekend? Well, we'll talk about that and this Monday's matches too, with Japan against Croatia and Brazil facing South Korea. It's totally at the World Cup, sponsored by LifeScoreBet. to his left. Challenge comes in on him, but the ball bounces to Foden. Foden's away, keeps his feet on the left. Foden's crossed. Oh. Saka is in there! It's 3-0! Day 15. Oh, and on the way, we got some Julian Laurent. we got Tazokawa from Japan. Ooh, we got Lindsay Hooper. Hello, Lindsay. Hello. Hello. Here in the athletic box part, drenched in kombucha and Lord knows what else. we got Carl Anker. Hello, James. And on the line from the Al Bet, which we now decided is what it's called, Stadium. We've got Jack Pickbrook. All right, Jack. Hi, James. Tell you what, Jack, call your boss. You're not going into work tomorrow. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it actually turned out to be a much uh, a much easier game than it felt it was going to be after about 30, 35 minutes. I thought England were really quite poor for most of the first half. And it was the kind of game where maybe if Senegal had had Sadio Mane, they would have been able to take advantage. But as it happened, they didn't. And it's really those two goals at the end of the first half killed the game. Mm. The second half was remarkably easy for a World Cup plus 16. Well, indeed so. We'll get much more of that as we have a proper chat about this 3-0 win for England over Senegal. But just to round up the other results, I mean, there is only one other result from today, so it won't take long. This afternoon, Sunday afternoon for you, Listener, uh, France beating Poland 3-1. Goal from Giroud and two from Bappi. And that means that they are going to meet England. England, who were 3-0 winners Sunday night against Senegal. Right, well, Jack, you were just saying about the fact that England didn't look good for the first half hour or so. And I know what you mean. It was an unpleasant, it was an uncomfortable opening to the game. But I would suggest that Supporters of every nation at this World Cup have had similar experiences with the, uh, France Sunday afternoon. They gave up chances for Poland. It's what England did after that against the African champions that marked this out for me as one of the most accomplished performances I've seen in a long time. Yeah, I thought their counter-attacking was really, really good. I, you know, People thought that it was quite a cautious team when it was announced, but having Bellingham and Henderson allowed to get forward by the presence of Wright worked incredibly well. It was very, very difficult for Senegal to stop them when they started breaking forward. And I mean, the goals that England scored were fantastic. So, yeah, definitely more pluses than minuses, even though you do wonder if a better team might have punished some of England's shaky moments in the first half. I mean, they are the African champions, but I hear what you're saying. Carl, what did you make of it? I thought this was the most comprehensive performance England had in around the 16 games since, I mean, me and producer Charlie tried racking our brains to find a, a better round of 16 performance. And we landed on 2002 against Denmark. I think in a World Cup, that's the most in control England have been. This is this is what Southgate does. This is sufferable football where you sacrifice a bit of attack and endeavour for defensive solidity. And while you are not always totally sure England are going to win games, you are reasonably confident that he's not going to lose a game in 90 minutes. Uh, so Southgate now is the best head coach England or has got the most victories of an England head coach at international tournaments. Of the 15 victories in knockout games in international tournaments, Gareth Southgate is now responsible for six of them. He is very good at 
international tournament football, especially in knockout football, you can argue whether or not there are managers in this World Cup who are better than him at that. But at this job, it might not be the most entertaining, but you don't necessarily win these sorts of games by being massively entertaining. All right. Although, were you not entertained? Lindsay, were you not entertained? For the first 35 minutes, I was concerned and what was going through everybody else's mind was going through mine, which was against France. I think they would have punished us by that 35 minute mark. It was too slow. It was too methodical from England. So, you know, although I don't want to just dwell on the negatives, because of course it turned into a fantastic performance. I do want to say that when it comes to being pedestrian, that is something that you just won't get away with with France, not when they've got the pace of Mbappe. I do think that Jordan Henderson, when when the game first started, he was in a more advanced position and he was closing things down. And I did think that he he ended up having a brilliant game overall, but he had a few patches where he he went missing for a little bit. But I did like the fact that he was squeezing up to start because he he along with Kane and Bellingham were the only ones that had drive and determination. And I don't want to criticise Maguire too much, but his passing was off. It definitely was off in the first 20, 30 minutes. And he was trying to look forward, but it put England in danger. And I hope that they they watch that back because against France in particular, I think they would make us pay. Mm. Well, there's a lot of players we should celebrate from that performance. Jack, there at the Albert, or Albert is it, stadium. What, what are you going with tonight? I'm going with Albert. Albert. But I don't know. I might be wrong. What the hell? Let's try and that. And did Senegal take the bait? <laughs> I think they might have done, Lindsay. I think they, uh, you know, I thought they, like I said, I thought they played pretty well for most of the first half. But when this was a game that they would have wanted to play on the counter attack, but the first two goals really came from England, England playing on the counter attack and England managing to exploit Senegal, perhaps being a little bit too far out the pitch, not having enough pressure on the ball, and England cut straight through them. Then equally, I wonder how much, is that down to tactics or is that just down to the fact that England have better players? Like when. When, when Bellingham is driving forward through the middle of the pitch, he's very, very difficult to stop. Like, he is an unbelievably good player. And ultimately, I think, you know, Senegal didn't have the capacity to live with England when they, when they got into that mood. Yeah, I think it was six of one and half a dozen of the other. I think international tournament football, when it becomes single elimination, it becomes less, are you the best team across that 90 minutes mm. from minute one to minute 90 and becomes more, can you be slightly better than your opposition by minute 90? And there was, everyone keeps talking about England were not good until minute 35. A minute 35 is when Bellingham has that little bit of drive. Well, I think one of the other key questions, and this is something that came up the other night with uh, the US against the Netherlands, is can you take your chances? And if we look at the first 35 minutes, yes, Senegal had opportunities, but one England player did outstandingly, Jordan Pickford, with that incredible save on Bulegia. And then England did take their chances. And let's, let's talk about the goals, because that extraordinary opening goal from, from Henderson becoming the second oldest England goal scorer ever. Jack, what was that like watching that in the stadium? Yeah, that was amazing. I, I absolutely loved those first two goals. Like the, the first one, the way, that, uh, the way that Bellingham broke all the way forward, you know, that's kind of why you want him in the teams. His ability to, he's got an amazing kind of range to his game, the way that he can, he can kind of run beyond Kane, take the pass from Kane, make the cross through to Henderson. You know, obviously... Southgate was criticised in the in the last Euros because he would always play right alongside Calvin Phillips. And Phillips is a really good player, but he doesn't have that... He's not really someone who affects the final third in quite the same way Bellingham was. We saw him making that great run to score the header against Iran. And it was another great run. Great runs, really, for the first and second goals here. So, yeah, a brilliant team goal. Mm. And then that extraordinary moment in which he stared into the abyss of Hendo's <laughs> eyes. 
Yeah, I love that. I mean, it was uh, obviously there are two players at kind of opposite ends of their international careers. You know, it's, it does feel as if they they do have an awful lot of respect for one another. They seem to enjoy playing together. And uh, yeah, fantastic kind of attacking midfield combination there anchored by Rice. They forgot they were lions for a second, didn't they? They thought they were rhinos <laughs> in, in a headlock, which was um, baffling for a while. But yeah, that was the first move of purpose. I just can't heap enough praise on Jude Bellingham because I felt he dragged us into this match single-handedly. He had purpose. When everything else was looking a little bit stale and cold, he was the one that was trying to pick things up and move things on. And let's remember, he's 19. So I think the future for England is, is so bright with some of the players in this squad. But he was the player of the match for me. And and he made that first goal, but he was instrumental in the second one. I know he won't get the assist, but the way that he intercepts the ball, picks it up, runs with it, again, setting a beautifully weighted ball through for Foden. I, I just think he deserves so much. And I hope that the newspapers, when we pick them up tomorrow, is just full of Bellingham. I think he deserves it. Yeah, full of Bellingham to Liverpool stories, <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> what, what about the, the Saka goal, Jack? And the Foden run, actually, what about the Foden run for that? Well, I thought on the second goal, the most impressive thing was the way that Bellingham won a 50-50, which was almost maybe a a kind of 40-60 in the opposition's favour in the middle of the pitch. Then he kind of burst past another opponent and all of a sudden he'd taken the ball, he'd kind of broken past two opponents. He had a huge amount of space in front of him. He could charge forward and then quickly shifted the balance of his body so he could play a left-footed pass out to Foden. It was amazing. I mean, there's times watching Bellingham where he reminds me of a lot of like young Steven Gerrard, also a bit of young Michael Ballack in terms of you know his ability to kind of stride forward down the middle of the pitch, his authority, the way he shrugs off challenges and gets in the box. Like he really is a phenomenal player, and even more impressive when you watch him up close. Or I mean, we're not that close in the press box here at the very top level of the Albate Stadium in a, in a really important game. Like I, I cannot emphasize enough for our listeners back in the UK how good he was. All right, Jack, there at the. Uh... Albeit Stadium, there were there were so many things to enjoy. Uh, Jenny and Fandino looking miserable in the VIP seats once again. Uh, wh- what else did you have? What did you have for the pre-match entertainment? Which random singer did they bring out? And, and what other moments stood out for you there of the whole experience? Uh, I think the pre-match music was the overtones. Oh wow! I saw. Uh, I was sat next to a friend of the show, Michael Cox. Uh, and that's he was showing me their Wikipedia page. So I think that's what it was, but I don't actually remember it. It wasn't as uh, headline-grabbing as Chesney Hawks, who, of course, played in halftime during the England versus USA game the other day. It, to be honest, I mean, it, the Albany Stadium is a very, very visually impressive place. It kind of, from the outside, look, it's meant to look like a big Bedouin tent. It is a long way from Doha. It's about an hour's drive out of, out of Doha. So you, you're just driving through desert up until you get here. And, you know, it is... Uh, you can see how much money has been... You get a real sense of the amount of money that has been spent on this World Cup and how much, um, you know, the huge amount of effort that has gone in from all, of all sorts of forms of effort, I suppose, uh, to, to make it because it is, you know, there's no getting past the fact it is a visually very impressive stadium, although you do wonder what really the point of it is and how much, you know, in the sense of how much football will be played here in 2023 and beyond. Yeah, and while... Of course, this night is about so many things. It's also when you mention that, it does remind us again about what it cost, not just in money, 
uh, to build it all. Absolutely. Jack, can I ask one quick question before you go? Was the one better performance than England tonight? And was it that of the Senegal band and dancers that <laughs> did not stop? We were watching back at home and it looked like a carnival and it looked like they never stopped moving for all of those cutaways. Yeah, they were wonderful. I mean, the, the problem with... Look, there's a general problem with World Cup games, which is that the atmosphere isn't good because there aren't that many fans here. And the atmosphere what, that there is is largely conditioned by the music that the stadium announcers play. It's very homogenised, it's very corporate, it's very sterilised. This was the best atmosphere a game I've been to because it was it was created by the fans. It was created by the Senegal band who were kind of down in front of us to our right with their drums and music and dancing which was consistent all the way through the game, no matter what happened. So I thought they were brilliant. They really made the atmosphere here, uh, even though their team didn't really show up for the second half. Uh, so yeah, they were great. Excellent stuff, Jack. Many, many thanks for that. And uh, look forward to catching up with you again soon. My absolute pleasure. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Jack Pitt-Brook. Crikey. Well, it does sound like it was quite an affair uh, there. Here's a stat for you. 23% of all of England's World Cup goals ever have come under the stewardship of Gareth Southgate. He might be good at this. Well, this is the strange thing. And obviously, uh, the conversation has been Southgate has been a, a dour, uh, pragmatic coach, which I think is a bit of a misnomer because pragmatism doesn't necessarily mean you're playing defensive football or conservative football. It just means realistic application of the mm. tools. But anyway. But anyway. Uh, and Southgate, you know, maximises, you know, clean sheets are very important. First ball forward when you win the ball, maximise your set pieces. And I think the big difference between this England team at this World Cup compared to the Euros and the 2018 in Russia is just how much better they are with that final ball in the final third. They are, I think, what's three goals out of four shots on target against Senegal? They're, they're a lot better at making the correct decisions when push comes to shove nice. and at a time where Southgate would prefer you to only really have three or four shots on goal and kill off 25 minutes of a game that's really important okay he turns you on again Lindsay how, how are you feeling oh I love him I'm I've always been in the camp of loving him <laughs> ever since Russia but I also agree that sometimes he does seem to have favourites and that was something at the very beginning that we were promised that that wouldn't happen, it would be picked on form. So that's the only little chink, but that always is going to happen with any England manager. They end up having the players that they can trust and rely on, so you get it. And I also hope that he's not afraid to learn from the way that these first two goals came about against Senegal. It was from being more direct, it was from a long ball, it was from not playing out at the back as much. So um, I think he's the sort of manager that does do that. He looks back and then he doesn't get too rigid. And I think against France, you're going to have to be brave. All right. Everyone seems a bit spooked by France. So how about next up on Totally at the World Cup? We hear from Julian Laurence on how they got on in their game Sunday afternoon against Poland. This is the Totally Football Show, sponsored by Live Score Bet, the home of squads. Squads is a weekly free-to-play game. You reveal five players across the week which make up your squad, and you can earn cash each time they score in the selected games. The cash amount is decided by Live Score Bet's prize wheel and can range from 10p up to £50 per goal, which you can spend once the final player is revealed. Find out more and play squads for yourself for free 
at LifeScoreBet.com or by downloading the LifeScoreBet app on Android and iPhone. It's over 18s only and full terms and conditions apply. Please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. My word, what a what a language, eh? What a even er sounds lovely in in French and uh Oh, they were looking lovely after a slightly uh, after a slightly tense opening period for them as well against Poland. But the reigning World and Nations League champions through to the quarterfinals, where they'll meet England next Saturday. Yes, our favourite France fan is Julian Laurence, and we spoke to him after that game and crucially for a bit later on in our conversation before England faced Senegal. Here's what he said. Remember when before the tournament began, people were down on Deschamps, thought the team would be boring, thought they would miss Benzema? Yeah, no, because you're right. We arrived here with, I think, some doubts and some question marks over um, the injuries, over how the team would react to those injuries, what Deschamps would do in terms of tactics and starting eleven and personnel and all that kind of stuff. And but I promise you, it was not a given that they would play that well and they would get that far either. And I don't think even Deschamps himself was too convinced about, you know, what you do in midfield, what you do up front, who you play, how, uh, the back three, the back four. I think there was still a lot of things to to ponder, to sort out, to think of. And I have to be honest, the way Deschamps has done it, he deserves a lot of credit because he's clearly found a, a formula that works. They might be out once they face a team that is better than what they face so far. But certainly for the opposition that they've had, they've been very, really good. And, and everything that he's tried, everything that he's put in place, whether it's Griezmann as a number eight, whether it's Teo Hernandez at left back, Rabio in that kind of midfield, uh, left position if you want, Mbappe, all that kind of stuff so far has been working. All right. And Giroud's been working particularly. The French goal scoring record, Jules. My guy. Yeah, what a special night for him. You know, the um, the players were waiting for him. So he had a, a guard of honour leaving the pitch, you know, where they all they all lined up and then they were like hitting his head, you know, as he was walking through. And then they were waiting for him in the in the dressing room to like, you know, to celebrate with him, but also celebrate his record. And the thing is, he was picked for doping. His name was picked up for doping. So he had to go and doping at the World Cup, I mean, which is the same in the league. But you basically come in the tunnel and then the doping guys, like you have to go straight away. You can't go back in the dressing room for five minutes and then come out. So he, he didn't even get in. So like all, all, everybody was waiting for him and they obviously had to wait for him to pee, which is, um, you know, which is, which is okay. Um, but, but yeah, maybe on another day, he would have celebrated straight away in the dressing room with, with the rest of the squad. This time they had to wait a little bit. Okay. Jules, 
we get used to the idea of Giroud, but really, what an incredible career this guy's had. What is he now, 36? And we think where he came from and where he's got to, it is remarkable. It is incredible. I think people underestimate the career that he's had, uh, the things that he's won, the, the goal that he scored. Uh, when you think about it, this is someone that no one believed in when he was younger. It's, it's very different to what Kylian Mbappe or Thierry Henry or Nicolas Neg- you know, those kind of guys who were prodigies when they were 12, 15, 17, when they made their debut with the pros when they were 17 and they were the next big thing. That was not like him. You know, at 17, he thought, may as well stop football, stop playing football because no one believes in me. No academies, no clubs, nothing. He had to go through all the lower leagues, literally every single one, fourth division, third division, second division, first division, Liga in France, and then come to England. But it, it was, it's incredible when you, when you see him right up there, you know, being the, the all-time leading goal scorer for the French national team, to have all those caps, to have won everything that he's won, when when he was that close of giving up on football, really. But the fact is that he never gave up. He kept always believing him. He, he worked really hard. And for me, who's known him for a long time now, to see him scoring today, to be in that stadium, was, was very special. Very nice. Mbappe jumping into his arms after his goal as well. He loves his pivot. He likes his pivot, especially when he can feed him like that, because that ball from Kylian on the first goal is magnificent. And so is his finish, but it's a... It's a finish on his on his on his strong foot, Olivier's left foot. It's a finish that he scored hundreds of times in his life, and even Chesney at the top of his game because Chesney has been magnificent in this World Cup so far. Mm. Even he could not save that. So there was there's a good understanding. Remember, 18 months ago before the Euros, when when Giroud said, "Well, when I make runs, the ball doesn't come," and which was clearly a dig at Mbappe, and Mbappe took it that way, even if. Giroud didn't mention Mbappe's name. I think they they put a lot of uh, water in their wine since, and now now they they kind of would you say kissed and you know, kissed and up. tell, kissed and made, made up. up. Yeah. yeah, but I'm interested. They put up. a lot of water in the wine. Yeah, that's what we say in French. I what thought does you were saying that maybe in English. You say that in French for when you kind of want to tone down the tension. Okay. And basically, because it dilutes the water, dilutes your wine, right? right? Yeah. So if you put water in your wine, then your wine is now maybe like, yeah, like, yeah, whatever. Mm, I gotcha. <laughs> Jules, let's talk about, let's talk about um, Mbappe a little bit because the uh, doping controllers weren't the only people taking the pee on Sunday. Mbappe was just ridiculous. Yeah, incredible performance, really. And, and to be fair, it was still not perfect. It could have been even better. There's a couple of times where you think that He'd won the race with Matty Cash, for example, and at the, literally the last second, Cash manages to get the ball. But otherwise, he could have hurt them even more. Uh, so, incredible. He will, I think L'Equipe were telling me before I left the stadium, they gave him 8 out of 10. Le Parisien gave him 9 out of 10. I think L'Equipe could have pushed him a little bit more, maybe. But L'Equipe don't give um, half points. Just, just for your information, you don't care, but I'm telling you still. Otherwise, I think he might have had 8.5. Just an incredible performance. The first goal, I think everybody, including Chesney, expects the curler. And instead, he chooses to hit it really hard with his laces on the other side. And then his second, France's third, this one he curls it. And I think everybody expects the curler. And he's the curler. And yet, you can't, you still can't stop it. It's remarkable. We said, well, I don't know if I was with you because you haven't invited me on the pod for a long time. But when Karim got injured that Saturday night, you know, on the day that the World Cup opens, 
And Karim went home on the Sunday morning really early to that eight o'clock flight to Madrid. I think Kylian felt like, okay, I need to step up here, which is what he always wanted anyway. This is, he, say, he keeps saying to everyone, I, you know, I was born to be on this stage. I was born to shine on this stage. And yeah, it's, it's, you could see as arrogant and I, I can't argue with you. But it's just the belief that he has, that he's, he's, he was, he's made for those moments. And to have five goals already in this World Cup in four games, to have carried the team in this game today, which was not easy at the beginning. I think there was a, a bit of nerves from the French. Um, but, but yeah, the, the, the way that he took on that Poland team, and we will see whether it's England or Senegal, it, it might not be, it would be tougher. Who do you want? Yeah, he's, Who he's, do you want, Jules? Oh, I want England. I think Senegal will win. Uh, and I want Senegal to win because of my boys who play there. Right. But, but then I think but England will be so special. The first time they face each other in the, in the World Cup since 1982. The first time they face each other full stop since 2017, mm. I think will be will be very special for the tournament. Although France Senegal for the first time since 2002 will be pretty special as well with Alucisse on the bench. Of course, Deschamps was not playing at the time; he had retired from international football. But still, it would be pretty special to have Cisse against Deschamps on the benches as well. All right, Jules, I've got two last questions for you. One: Are there any concerns that you have? Uh, Poland did have chances before. Mm. Giroud One especially, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I still think the, there's a lot of things we can work on. I think the, the two fullbacks, Koundé on the right, which was not the, the guy who, was, who started the competition because Pavard was the guy who started against Australia. He was the guy we all thought was number one. Even if we, if we knew that Koundé was a, was a close number two or number one, like, you know, another number one. But Pavard made a mistake in that. Australia game that cost France a goal and after that Deschamps has literally froze him out because he didn't even play against Tunisia when he was France's B team so Koundé has to improve and on the left because Kylian doesn't defend at all which is, which is part of the tactics and part of the plan it's not that he doesn't want to do it he's allowed not to do it that means that Theo Hernandez is sometimes under pressure that means Rabiot has to come across and compensate a lot which is fine and they've done it really well so far I thought Rabiot was outstanding today again but against a team like England or against a team like Senegal, that, that might not be enough and, and we might be under pressure on two flanks. So there's still things to work on, of course. But at least France, you know, I think is still in good shape for the quarterfinals. Yeah, they look that way. OK, so the other thing I wanted to know was, who was the pre-game entertainment there? And also, yesterday, Michael Cox was telling us about some... French cover artists doing a version of Lenny Kravitz's seminal "Are You Gonna Go My Way," and yes, he asked I've you. I've seen him with Coxie as well. We yeah, were together exactly. for one of the games. Who, who is that, Jules? I don't know. Never heard of him before. Never seen him. He's not very good, from what I could tell. Ooh. And today we had the boys band that was more of a man band because they looked old and. Which boys and band? Were, don't know the name. They didn't say the name in the stadium. It was like um, I think they did. Celebrate good times, whatever the the real name the cool of the song the is. So yeah, but they yeah. were dire. They were no cool and no gang. Uh, four four dudes uh, dancing on the touchline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Okay, that's it. Really. All right. Just you know, up. you know the song that the song that the French have in the dressing room is "Freed from Desire." It's their new, it's their new like you know winning song kind of thing. Of course, in 2018, it was "Ramener la coupe à la maison" that I know you know by heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, I think just before I go, a word for Hugo Lloris, who today became the, uh, the highest-capped player in French football history, in men's football history. 
So well done to him. Level now with Lilian Thuram, whose son Marcus came on in the game, which again was was very very nice. On the day that his dad lost the lost the records, and obviously if everything goes well for the quarterfinals, if there's nothing wrong happening to Lloris, he will he will beat the record like Giro beat the the goal scoring one today. So a very special night for the Lloris family as well. Magnificent stuff, Jules. Thank you so much. Let's do this again before the quarterfinals. Yeah, of course. If you invite me, because so far you froze me like Deschamps froze Pavard. So. <laughs> All right, Jules. <laughs> been a Sunday rich and laden with, with storylines and Giroud, one of the key ones. Uh, Jules has spent much of this year talking mm. about Karim Benzema and how he would end up being the difference maker for this France team. I think Benzema's injury has probably helped this France team. He's probably with no Benzema and having to play through Giroud. And Luis Hernandez as well. It's probably clarified France's attacking form I think having sometimes in a bigger toolbox isn't as good as just having the best tools um, and for international football Olivier Giroud is he's remarkable at what you need to do if you want to v- progress the ball vertically and break down low blocks which Poland did for half an hour or so there are few strikers out there better than Olivier Giroud mm. Poland who, who came out their papers were exhorting them to, to play ball in this game and they did a bit more they had shots they had shots and went out, which is you usually do it the other way around on a <laughs> on a weekend. Uh, but anyway, uh, they had three shots on target in this game, which I think was pretty much doubling their total for the the World Cup so far. Uh, Lindsay, though, I, I I guess it's France that we're talking about, particularly because they're going to be facing England next time, and England are concerned about France. But surely France must have been watching Sunday night and thinking, "Ooh la la." <laughs> I hope so. Uh, we'll give a little nod as well to Robert Lewandowski, who did manage to score that penalty in the end. Um, so he goes out on a semi-high, I think, with that one. Um, but yeah, coming back to France, I think that they will have watched England and will hope that when they look at the attack, they will hope that England won't be brave. And from listening to Julian, I think that's the one thing that concerns them, is that England could be more in that driving, determined mood that we see in Sparks. Um, but can they do it over a prolonged period? And also by doing that, they are obviously going to leave gaps. And France are a team that can punish sides with that. So you've got to be as aware defensively. And are we as defensively solid as what we appear to be? I don't think that that is true. I think it's a little bit Emperor's new clothes. So we haven't had that proper test yet. Could we get preoccupied as well? by Mbappe, who's clearly the best player on the planet at the minute. So is there going to be a temptation? Is that what they're hoping, that England will get really distracted by wanting to stop Mbappe, gifting that duty to Carl Walker, but probably needing reinforcement, and then ignoring the rest of the squad, which is full of talent? You cannot switch off for any of these players. Antoine Griezmann, for instance, has been brilliant. I I just think so many have shone that you can't just switch to thinking about one player being dangerous, mm. not in this France France team. So uh, what you're saying is facing the reigning world champions who have the <laughs> best player in, on the planet, we, we, England might have some problems. Certainly when you think about how Carl Walker was struggling with Saar, the idea of him being up against Mbappe is a, an yes. intriguing one. Carl Walker's been talked up as, as the fated Mbappe stopper and certainly had a good... 90 minutes added up across two legs when, when Man City 
face PSG in 2020, mm. I, I want to say. But he, he looks a, a couple of yards off that pace now. I completely agree with Lindsay in that you cannot constantly talk about Mbappe because one big thing about this France team is, you know, they played this asymmetric fullback system where a lot of attacks go down the left-hand side. But the reason they're able to do this is because they've got this man Dembele on the right, who is just phenomenal, bipedable and ambidextrous, very two-footed, loves getting chalk on his boots and can absolutely crush someone on that right-hand side as well. And you, the reason this France team can be so dangerous, especially when they're on the transition, is because you can't simply double up on Mbappe because it just creates all this space for, for Dembele. There's six days between now and then. And a lot of other last 16 matches to be played. Monday, another four sides will be taking their chance at making a quarter-final. So what do you say we chat about those matches next? Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. We're all driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. You can use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. According to their own survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. Remember the last time you were hiring and how slow and overwhelming it was? Well, you don't need to go through all that again. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent. And because you listen to the Totally Football Show, Indeed is going to give you a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash totally. That's I-N-D-E-E-D.com slash totally. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed at Indeed.com. You're listening to the Totally Football Show with James Richardson, sponsored by LifeScore Bet. You can get the latest football betting odds at LifeScoreBet.com. It's over 18s only. Please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. All right, Monday at the World Cup, it's Japan, Croatia at 3 o'clock, and then Monday evening, Brazil facing South Korea. We'll, we'll talk about Japan very, very shortly with a special guest from Japan. But Brazil and South Korea, they faced each other earlier this year in Seoul in a friendly. Do you know what happened? This. Vou agora com Gabriel Jesus dentro da área para desencantar. Gol! Gabriel Jesus finalmente! Brazil 5-1 winners. Gabriel Jesus there, as you probably heard. He won't be available this time, though, because his World Cup is over. He picked up injury, as did Alex Telles in that game against Cameroon last Friday. And reports over the weekend, really serious, actually, for... For him, talking about a potential absence of around three months, which for top of the table Arsenal could be a mighty blow as well. So get well soon to Gabriel Jesus. Apart from his absence, can you think of any reason why this time it might be different to that 5-1 between South Korea and Brazil? 
nothing immediately springs to mind. Uh, we've also seen images of Neymar back at training on mm. grass as well, which if you are one of the many who's predicted Brazil to win this World Cup, this could be a rather straightforward victory. Uh, I wish all my best to South Korea. I count myself as one of many a Ghana fan that has now switched allegiances to South Korea for the round of 16 for their great work in helping eliminate Uruguay from the group stages. Right. Apropos though, uh, Carl, there was a lot of suggestions amid the sadness over Ghana's exit that it was ameliorated by the sight of one Luis Suarez in tears. Is that a trade-off that you would have been willing to make at the start of the of the World Cup? At the start, probably not. After one game, absolutely, it would have bitten your hand off. I've, I described it the morning after. Was a bit, I felt a bit like I lost the game, but I've won it on away goals. This is incredibly petty from myself and from many Ghanaian football fans. But I think I saw quite a few videos and images of Ghana fans leaving the stadium uh, and chanting uh, Suarez go home and ju then just chanting Korea, South okay. Korea over and over and over again. So this will be a fun uh, round of 16 game. I wouldn't be surprised if there's right. one or two Ghana fans who have snuck in as well. Lindsay, is there a, an international figure of hate for whom you'd be happy to see England go out of a tournament just as long as they got their comeuppance at the same time? This could well happen because it's Neymar. What? Why? Ooh. Why? Oh, I, I, I don't What's like him. I've never bought into it. Oh, really? Um, I don't like how he goes down. I hate the play acting. I hate how he thinks it's all about him. I know he's immensely talented. But already the narrative for this game against South Korea is an intimidation factor, you know. Neymar's fit to play. It's all going to be the headlines. They're trying it out. And South Korea are the perfect opposition to be culpable to buy it. Oh. So I really hope they don't. But Neymar, when I watch him which is usually at international tournaments, occasional PSG matches in the Champions League. The odd, um, the odd game that I've dipped into over the years, um, like El Clasico's and things, I've never thought that he is the best player on the planet. And he clearly thinks he is. Brazil thinks he is. And I don't. Wow. Okay. Neymar. Do you like him? I think, I think Neymar is one of the best football players we've seen with the ball at his feet. I can see why you'd find him very annoying with his play acting, but also he does get kicked to pieces a lot. Um, so does Jack Grealish. Yeah, so does Jack Grealish, yes. That, that's a good point. I just, I think the things Neymar can do and the things he has been capable of doing are remarkable. And it is, I think it's a pity that he gets kicked the, the amount he does because it means we can't see him as much. Uh, but yeah, I do understand. I'm, I'm not saying he's not a special talent. No, I just no. like to hate to him. Be, to be very clear, yeah, I, I get that. It, it was a, yeah, I sort of kind of describe it as a pantomime hatred. Yeah, I, I would yes. say that. He's, yeah. he's very good at cultivating a pantomime hatred. And when he comes on, you go boo. And then mm. he does something amazing. And you sort of boo him almost out of respect for the fact that he's quieted <laughs> your boos. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah. It's... I mean, that's a lot of what football's about, isn't it? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, this game coming up Monday night and, of course, playing against the backdrop, hugely significant, particularly for Brazil, of the, the health of Pele, who we were hunt. He put out a message on social media on Sunday saying that he felt stronger not to worry and things like that. Fingers crossed. Anyway, Paolo Bento will be back on the bench for South Korea for that game against Brazil. He's the only foreign coach to take a nation in this World Cup into the knockout stages. The other foreign managers of sides in this tournament, they've all gone out. 
The winners of the match between South Korea and Brazil will face either Japan or Croatia in the quarterfinals. Croatia, who finished second in Morocco's group, they had a goal to draw with Morocco and one with Belgium, and they beat Canada 4-1. Japan, meanwhile, well, they'd got drawn in what looked like the toughest group of all, but then they shocked us by beating 2014 champions Germany and then went and did it again against the 2010 champions Spain, throwing in a random defeat against Costa Rica just for giggles along the way. How did they do this and what do people make of it back home? Earlier on Sunday, we spoke to Tazokawa of DAZN Japan. This tournament is kind of happening in the middle of the night over in Japan. So what has the mood been like? Um, Japan has been, a, it's the, you know, the one of the country who, uh, which is still um, kind of, you know, uh, quite not hugely restrictive, but uh, um, we still have a kind of COVID restriction and people are quite hesitant to like, you know, um, go to, uh, you know, take off the masks and enjoy the football game. But uh, I mean, that has certainly overcome <laughs> well, after we won against Spain, Germany. People in the Shibuya crossings was like um, it, it was like a, a chaotic, and everybody was taking uh, having joy. Uh, me too. So it's the middle of night, but uh, obviously the win against such a great countries made nations very excited. I mean, Japan compared compared to England, it's not um, a huge football com- country, but uh, if you turn on the TV every day now, you know whether it's morning or night or lunchtime, uh, you see the football uh, t- people talking about the Japan national team. Has it been the greatest week for the men's team ever? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, we, we knew the, the group was a group of death. People obviously uh, thinking Germany and Spain will go through. But uh, we went through the group with, the, you know, as a leader. Um, you know, we, we never expected. And then um, Rolls against the Costa Rica was uh, quite disappointing. But uh, still, I mean, we've done like, you know, a miracle, I think. So, mm. yeah, it's, it's been amazing. Or something more than a miracle, because there are a lot of similarities between the the win over Germany, which felt like a huge surprise, and then again against Spain. In both matches against former champions, you went behind, but you didn't quit. And then uh, Moriasu-san's substitutions proved absolutely key. Yeah, yeah. Um, Actually, that was also actually a big surprise, because having um, been watching uh, the national team for, I mean, since he has taken over, um, he has been deploying uh, four in the pack and in the Japan's um, basic uh, formation was like four to three one and then suddenly within the media there was like we were talking uh, the journalists were talking that he might have a secret um, strategy to bring the three in the pack um, in the actual World Cup but uh, uh, he actually started doing so from the second half of the game against uh, Germany we were thinking he's like very conservative person and he's kind of you know uh, substitution strategy was very conservative before, but he started to bring in um, the both wide attackers in the both wing backs and left and right. So obviously it's very attacking football. Um, obviously the game has been very like um, Japan has um, thrown away the positions and decided to kind of stay back and try to aim for the counter. Uh, but that has been like uh, something we never expected. It's more than miracle. It's uh, probably his uh, what he what they have done is changing the miracle to reality. So, yeah, it has been a great week. It has now Croatia, and I don't know if we can still call Japan underdogs. <laughs> is this the the strongest side you've ever sent to the World Cup? And and what is the difference then? 
actually the the biggest kind of uh, um, uh, expectations probably back in 2014 against Brazil when uh, Alberto Zaccheroni was uh, the manager and at that time I think we we were like very technical um, and had a lot of uh, uh, belief in positions like uh, we had a players, good players like uh, Kagawa and uh, Honda was still in his prime. So um, we we were thinking that that kind of team was uh, really good, but we didn't uh, do well. This team has been like uh, slightly maybe less technical, and we were we really struggled in the qualifiers. So um, that 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 has made us you know disbelief against Moriesa and, and you know the group against Spain and Germany was we knew it's tough so every uh, people in Japan was like uh, slightly pessimistic so that has been different and also our only hope was uh, Mitoma basically there was a lot of uh, debate around uh, how the national team was selected because we took up the uh, striker Osako who used to play for uh, play in Germany and he uh, he has he has been uh, not selected from the World Cup squad and that, that has been quite a big debate and then Moriasen was uh, aiming to create a team of the counter-attack and that, that has been quite a debate because uh, that means we are trying to throw away uh, our kind of, you know, uh, position games. If the mood was pessimistic before the World Cup started, how proud is Japan of the team now? Oh, really high. So everybody, how to say in English, uh, turn their hands upside down. I'm not sure how, how to say in English, but uh, <laughs> <Okay>. basically, <laughs> basically um, um, everything has changed. So everybody is proud of the uh, team now. Uh, you know, I mean, they've done they've done something which nobody was like ex- expecting. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, um, I'm I'm really excited too. Um, right. and, yeah, looking forward to see. Uh, more. <laughs> I'm probably being more, how to say, greedy, but uh, uh, I would like to see more. Hazakawa there of Zone Japan. What do you reckon on their chances against Croatia then? Are they still the underdogs at this point? Or have they now become the favourites, Lindsay? I think they marginally have the favourite tag for this one because of the opposition they've beaten to get here, because they beat Spain, because they beat Germany, and also because Croatia have been a little limp. I think they haven't been nearly as good a team as the the one we saw last World Cup. So this is a team that I think is on more of a downward trajectory with ageing players like Modric, like Lovren. And so... Japan, who've managed to spring this surprise. I described it actually on the last show I was with you, James, as select press. And I think that's what they'll do here again. I don't think that they will press for a very long time, but when they select to do so, it has worked so well. And if they happen to have even a bit of success with that, it could really punish uh, Croatian sluggish defence that I think has had a few let-offs so far. So Japan could do it. I've I've adopted them for this one. I would like Japan to go through. Wow. Do you think if Japan are the, the slight favourites, does that not counteract the style of football they want to I do? I don't think that they... Because Croatia want possession. Yes. And Japan don't want possession. Yes. In fact, the last thing they needed possession, according to their results so far, because they had, what was it, 26% possession against Germany, they beat them. Against Spain, they had 17% possession that they beat them. <laughs> the one time they had the majority possession was Costa Rica, and look how that turned out. I understand it entirely, but Croatia's precise, exact strength hmm. is when that midfield gets into gear. Oh. And they just start, you know, Brozovic, uh, 
Kovic and, and Luka Modric and I apologise for my pronunciation of all three of those names uh, but when that midfield clicks into gear that is Croatia's big strength uh, and Lindsay I'm I completely with you in that this team this Croatia team does feel like slightly, slightly ageing and, and on the decline a bit so when they click into gear they're amazing I think it's taking them longer to click into gear than they did at 2018 and the Euros but you gotta you gotta put someone in there you gotta put a spanner in that work of that midfield otherwise they will pull you apart. And the reality is, Carl, that probably when we know what we know about Croatia and their experience is they will probably get over the line in this one <laughs> because I could see it going all the way. Extra time, penalties, but they've been there, they've done it. That said, they're only in the last 16 because Lukaku lost his shooting boots. Uh, <sighs> <laughs> yes, I mean, they are. That is very true. Here's a stat. I don't know how important this is. They've not conceded a goal in the second half of matches, Croatia, or even in the final 89 minutes of a match at this tournament because they've only conceded one goal. And that was Alfonso Davies's header for Canada after 68 seconds. Mad, isn't it? Mad. Itakura is suspended for this one, um, the Munch and Gladbach player. I just want to say that I honestly think Tomiyasu will rip it up in this. I think he's been chomping at the bit... So that suspension, I'm just going to say now, watch Tomiyasu. He's going to get an assist or a goal, I think, in this game. All right, Lindsay. Magnificent. Well, you can see if he lives up to uh, Lindsay's prediction on Monday afternoon with the game between South Korea and Brazil coming up in the evening. And, of course, straight after that, totally returns with another totally at the World Cup. Do hope you'll be joining us then, listener. But that brings us to the end of today's show, of course. Lindsay, thank you so much for being with us today. Carl as well. You too. Uh, Jack Pitbrook, Taz Okawa, and Julian Laurent, and producer Charlie. We'll be back with you tomorrow. For now, from all of us here, it's goodbye. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Discover bonus video content by searching for The Totally Football Show on YouTube and see the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Totally Football Show is an athletic media company production and sponsored by LiveScore Bet. Get the latest football betting odds at livescorebet.com. It's over 18s only. Please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. The Athletic.